ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد تريذن باب كلام الرب مع جبريل ونداء الله الملائكه the chapter regarding the speech of Allah with Jibreel and Allah calling out the angels وقال معمر وانك لا تلق القرآن أي يلقى عليك وتلقاه أنت أي تأخذه عنهم ومثله فتلقى آدم من ربه كلمات So the chapter heading that we have here is the chapter regarding the kalamir rabbi ma'a jibril the speech of allah with jibril alayhi salam jibril sallallahu alayhi wa sallam huwa ashraful malaika he is the most noble of all of the angels wa huwa and he is given the responsibility of the revelation Jibreel takes that revelation to whom Allah wills, he is that messenger of Allah that takes the revelation from Allah to whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes to the prophets and to the messengers that Allah selects. And this, within it, in understanding it, that Allah sends Jibreel with the revelation to whom he chooses. Meaning Allah sends Jibreel with the revelation to the selected prophets and messengers. Understanding that, highlights the misguidance and the deviance of some of the Shia who claim that Jibreel made a mistake when taking that revelation for the final messenger. That he made a mistake with taking the final revelation. He was supposed to have taken it Two, as they claim, Ali ibn Abi Talib, radiyallahu anhu, 
but that by mistake he took it to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is from the extreme lying misguidance and deviation to claim such a thing. Jibreel, the trustworthy one, would bring that revelation from Allah to the selected prophets and messengers that he was commanded to go to. There was no mistake, there was no error. He was commanded to go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam just as he used to go to the other prophets and messengers with that revelation before that. We've spoken about the angels before on many an occasion. We're all well acquainted with the belief of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah regarding the angels. So who can give us a brief outline of the aqidah of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah regarding the angels? Hands up. Not all at once. One hand, two hands. Only two people know about the angels. Six pillars of Iman. Iman in Allah. Iman in the angels. The three fundamental principles has been done here, as have many other books we've done here. So who is going to tell us, what is the iman in the angels? There has to be more than two people. How can it be that only two people know what the iman in the angels is? So put your hands up, waiting for the hands. Only two people. Go on then. Because they don't have free will. Right. What else? That's our iman in the angels, that's it? Of course, Saturday school, what's going on? Iman in the angels, what can you tell us about the angels? Go on. Alright, but what's an iman bil malaika? The angel, the iman in the angels. What can we say? What is iman in the angels? Don't be shy, come on, go on. Mm. 
Anybody else? That's it? Well, <laughs> Go on then, what? That they, that we believe that they were created from the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they were created from light, and this is still the command of Allah Azza wa Jal, and they don't have the capability to, to disobey him, and there's varying different um, roles that they, the different So look, we all attend the classes, we all read the books, we all listen to lectures, we all listen to the CDs, we all log on to MixLR. The point of all of that, the point of all of this seeking of knowledge is that you are actually gaining that knowledge, learning, grounding yourself in the basics. Everybody should be able to give a few minutes talking about the angels. How can it be? That after all of this knowledge we are seeking, all of these classes we are attending, till what time last night? You're going to stay here till 11 o'clock at night, attending classes, listening to radio, listening to CDs, reading books, and yet we can't speak for two minutes about what our iman in the angels is? That's a disaster, that cannot be the case. So somebody asks you now what your iman in the angels is. There are some very basic points we've covered so many times that the scholars mention in all of their books. The angels are created from light. They are a creation of Allah, just like humans and jinn are creations of Allah. They have different roles and responsibilities and jobs that Allah has commanded them with. There are some whose names we know, so we must believe in them by name. From amongst the ones whose names we know, we know of Jibreel salam. He has been given the command to take responsibility of that revelation. We know of Mikael, who's been given the responsibility of the, the rain and the, the growth and the vegetation. And then also we know of Israfil, his responsibility is blowing the horn on the day of judgment. And some scholars say he is also one of the carriers of the throne of Allah. We also know about the angel of death. And his responsibility is take the souls of the people. And there are many others. The angels that blow, the angel that blows the soul into the, the child, the angel, the gatekeeper of hellfire. There are angels that do the trial of the grave, various different angels. We know about the angels and how they are created and that they have wings. How many wings do they have? How many wings do the angels have? 600? How do you know 600? There is a hadith that mentions it about Jibreel. But also in the Quran it says that they have twos or 
threes or fours. So they have different numbers of wings. Different angels with different numbers of wings. Mentioned about Jibreel 600 that covers the horizon. Many details, basics. These are basics. You say to the people, there's going to be a class on the six pillars of Iman. And brothers, they'll say, that's too easy. Six pillars of Iman, too easy. We won't bother traveling out to that one. So now if that's the case, you should certainly be able to spend five or six or ten minutes at least explaining what Iman in Allah is, explaining what Iman in the angels is, Iman in the books, in the prophets, in the day of judgment, in the decree. Has to be. How can it be that after all of this seeking of knowledge, all of these classes till late, till early, CDs, books, mix LR, conferences, and we're not able to explain anything and we don't have grounding, there's a difference, like we've said many times, between general knowledge and knowledge. There is a difference between general knowledge and knowledge. What the majority of people will end up doing in logging on to talks with MixLR, following the lectures online, attending classes in person, reading books, listening to the lectures of the scholars, translations, doing all of these things. But all they are doing from all of that, effort, traveling, some people, all they are doing from all of that is general knowledge. You're gaining general knowledge. So generally, yes, you can talk about Tawheed. Generally, you can loosely talk about the pillars of Iman. Generally, uh, prayer, wudu, you have a general knowledge of everything. Because you've been making the effort and listening and reading and attending and traveling, going to classes, you have a general knowledge of things. But that's different to having an actual knowledge whereby you are learning the principles and learning the foundations, learning the usul properly, so that it's not just a general and loose overall knowledge you have of a particular topic. It is a detailed understanding. So now when somebody says to you, explain the prayer, the description of the prayer, it's not just a general understanding that you have and you know. It's grounded. You can explain the opening of the prayer, how it is to be done and some narrations about it. You can explain the different arkan of the prayer, the wajibat of the prayer, the sunnah acts of the prayer, and you know some narrations about them. You know some examples from the sunnah about them. You can talk about the six pillars of iman and give some reasonable detail. Names of the angels and the jobs that they do, other details that were mentioned by some of the brothers. The angels are not female and we cannot say they are female. The angels, what they are made of, when the angels were created compared to the jinn and to the humans, various details, basics that are mentioned all the time. Knowing those principles properly is the reality of knowledge. So now when you go and attend, for example, three fundamental principles, 
You go and attend a class in the four fundamental principles, six fundamental principles, which many will have done. Many will have done that. Many brothers and sisters, particularly those who have been in Salafia for a long time, will have gone to classes for the four principles, gone to classes for the three principles, gone to classes for Kitab al-Tawheed, Wasatiyah, various books, gone and traveled and made notes and been to the classes. But then after doing all of that, if somebody said to you now, what are the four principles in the four fundamental principles? Then all of a sudden it requires to stop and think carefully and you get stuck after the second one or get stuck on three and can't remember the fourth. Somebody says to you, what are the six fundamental principles in the book? The six fundamental principles. And you've been Salafi for five years, ten years, going around, traveling, attending classes, but you don't know. Then all you've done in all of that time is gain some general knowledge, not specific, proper knowledge with principles that you're learning and grounding yourself in. So don't focus or aim for general knowledge only. General knowledge isn't the reality of knowledge. The reality of knowledge is having principles learnt so that whenever some issue comes up, you are able to have an understanding and recognition of how to deal with that particular issue, what the response is, how our religion explains that to us. With general knowledge, you can never do that. Anybody comes to you now and starts questioning you about certain aspects of your religion, with general knowledge, you're never going to be able to break that issue down to explain the principles on a particular topic to a person, to explain to them the details of the pillars of Iman. And that's what you really want. That's what you really want with seeking knowledge for the students in particular, those who are making that real effort every week with the book and learning and memorizing and making notes. It is the principles in detail and the evidences you want. And generally too, for those making the effort of traveling and attending, then don't make all of that just for general knowledge that you remember a few bits and bobs. And the more you attend, you remember more bits and bobs. But it's never a detailed knowledge. After 10 years of attending like that, and somebody says to you for half an hour now, take the mic and just talk to me about the book, The Three Fundamental Principles, and you can only last three minutes, not 30. After 10 years of studying, 10 years of attending classes, 10 years of MixLR classes online, in person, traveling, books, and you can't sit there and talk about the three fundamental principles, the book, the whole book, anywhere you want, for more than three or four minutes and you've got nothing else to say. So then what have you learned from that book? What have you learned from this book? This book now, we've done so much of it. On my copy now, we're on page 584. Page 584. Almost 600 pages of this book we've gone through. 600 pages. If you were to sit down, or even if you were to go through the audios now, how many audios? 70, 80? So almost 80 hours worth. 80 hours worth of classes. 600 pages, 80 hours worth of classes, that's a lot. 
It's quite a lot. So now somebody says to you, MashaAllah, you've done 80 hours worth of study. Universities these days, the semesters, how many hours does it work out per semester? Nowhere near. Nowhere near. 80 hours of study, 600 pages, somebody says, okay, MashaAllah, that's a lot of knowledge you've got there. So tell us then, what have you learned from those 600 pages and those 80 hours worth of study? And you can't remember, you're not going to last more than two minutes on the mic? Then what have you done for those 600 pages? What have you done for those 80 hours? Don't make it general knowledge. Attending and making the effort and all you're doing is general knowledge. Scholars used to mention that. General knowledge is one thing. General knowledge you pick up in conferences and general events. Detailed knowledge is when you, what you pick up got by going through page by page of 600 pages. Going through lesson by lesson of 80 hours. And you learn it properly. Kitab al-Tawheed, this one and the other famous typical Kitab al-Tawheed. Three principles, all of these types of books. A Salafi who is serious should know those books. Should know generally what's going on. Four principles, you should know what the four principles are. Even if you can't explain everyone in detail, at least know what the four principles are from the four fundamental principles. What the three principles are from the three fundamental principles. Somebody now says to you, Kitab al-Tawheed, there are 60 chapters, 50, 60 odd chapters in Kitab al-Tawheed. Not this one, the other Kitab al-Tawheed of Hashem Hamd Abdul Wahab. Somebody says to you now, just pick any five. Any five chapters from Kitab al-Tawheed, which has in the region of 60 chapters, just five, and give me some detail about those five chapters. So why can we not do that? Why do we not know the title of a single chapter in Kitab al-Tawheed? Salafi for five years, for ten years, for twenty years. This is not the reality of knowledge then. Don't be wasting the time thinking you are seeking knowledge when you are only gaining general knowledge. For real knowledge, it takes more of an effort. It takes that you bring your pad every week. You bring your book every week. You bring your pen every week. You make your notes like the Salaf they used to do. And when their paper used to run out, they used to carry on writing the rest of the notes on their hands. Finish off the last five or ten minutes of the class where their paper ran out carry on writing it on their hands when they go home, then they'll copy everything out onto their new book at home. Such was their emphasis and enthusiasm in making sure that they got the knowledge, in making sure that they recorded that knowledge and learnt it and memorized it. So it takes an effort, more of an effort. It's not just generally attending. We say all the time, some of the scholars they used to mention, when you come to classes, you're either a guest or you're a student. You come as a guest, generally to attend, pick up a few benefits and go. But if that's all you're doing, you could carry on coming to classes for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and you'll not be in a position where you can properly explain points of the religion. Because all you've ever done over your lifetime is general knowledge. You've never really studied like a student is supposed to study. Like you do in the days when you were studying your GCSEs and whatever else. You have your books, you have your texts, you make notes, you make your, your mind maps, you make revision notes. All of that is required for the one who seriously wants to study. So we should not be left behind in this regard. 
We should not be left behind in knowledge. We should not be left behind only upon general understandings of things, not being able to give any details. Those basics, all of us should be able to give good levels of details. What are the angels? Tell us about the angels. You should be able to give a reasonable amount of detail. Now with all of the da'wah spreading, the CC da'wah stalls everywhere, all of these different activities going on, then we need to be able to explain things properly to ourselves, to newcomers, to new Muslims, to new brothers practicing sisters. It requires a bit more effort, I think. It requires a bit more effort, requires rolling up the sleeve a bit more than people are. So roll up your sleeves a bit more, it's warm enough inside. Roll them back down when you go home afterwards, insha'Allah ta'ala. So, here we have the chapter heading that said, Bab Kalam Rabbi Ma'a Jibreel, the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with Jibreel alayhi salam. And as we said, Jibreel alayhi salam, the most noble of the angels, given the responsibility of that revelation, he brings it from Allah to whom Allah wills. وَكَلَامُ اللَّهِ مَعَهُ هُوَ كَمَا قَالَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلُ And the speech of Allah with Jibreel is as Allah mentioned in the Qur'an. وَإِنَّهُ لَتَنزِيلُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ نَزَلَ بِهِ الرُّوحُ الْأَمِينَ عَلَى قَلْبِكَ لِتَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُنْذِرِينَ that indeed it is revelation from Allah, the Lord of all of the creation. نَزَلَ بِهِ الرُّوحُ الْأَمِينَ الرُّوحُ الْأَمِينَ Here, Jibreel. That Jibreel alayhi salam comes down with that revelation from Allah. And then there are other ayat, as Shaykh al-Athameen mentions here. وَإِنَّكَ لَتُلَقَّ الْقُرْآنَ مِنْ لَدٌ حَكِيمٍ عَلِيمٍ اَيْ يُلْقِي عَلَيْكَ الْقُرْآنَ مِنْ لَدٌ مِنْ عِنْدِ حَكِيمٍ عَلِيمٍ That this Qur'an, it is cast upon you, it is given to you from حَكِيمٍ عَلِيمٍ Referring to of course Allah سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى So this hadith, or oh this a ayah and this chapter heading is highlighting to us again the speech of Allah and in particular the speech of Allah to the angels. And there are many examples in the Quran, Allah speaking to the angels. Right in the beginning in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah tells the angels that He is going to create mankind. Allah mentions to the angels that He is going to create mankind. وَإِذْ قَالَ رَبُّكَ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ إِنِّي جَاعِلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةٌ That I am going to place this offspring, these, the, the humans, upon the earth. So then the angels, they speak and they ask Allah, are they going to cause corruption and bloodshed? Just like the angels had witnessed the jinn doing before the humans, the jinn came before the humans. So the angels, they said to Allah, are they going to be like them? Corruption and bloodshed, etc. So this all indicates that speech of Allah with the angels and the angels speaking. So all of this is an affirmation to the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
حديث عائشة رضي الله عنها هذا هل يؤخذ منه فضل خديجة على عائشة We briefly spoke about this before once about the virtue this is a side issue who has more virtue عائشة رضي الله عنها وخديجة رضي الله عنها here الشيخ الثامين brings up the topic so what was the answer Who is more virtuous, Khadija radiallahu anha or Aisha radiallahu anha? We had the discussion a few weeks ago. What was the answer? Who is more virtuous? Aisha? Both? How come both? What did we say? Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala gave an explanation saying that it's both. Both have their virtues and you can't really compare them because... And Ibn al-Qayyim said, their roles were at different stages of Islam. The role of Khadija was at a different stage in the history of Islam compared to the role of Aisha, which was at a different stage. The role of Khadija anha, was in the beginning stages of Islam. The role of Aisha radiallahu anha was at the end, end latter stages of Islam. So there were different time zones, different scenarios. So their roles were different. The role of Khadija in the early days in support of the Prophet sallallahu The role of Aisha radiallahu anha towards the end. She was young. She married the Prophet sallallahu young. And therefore, in that young age, memorized and learned a lot of the sunnah. She was recognized and known as one of the scholars of the salaf. She was a scholar. It is mentioned how some of the men of the salaf used to come and ask her questions about the religion. How some of the men used to come to ask her regarding questions that they had. So their roles were at different times and it's not possible really to compare two different roles that were at different times with different backgrounds. So both of them have their virtues independently. In fact, the statement of Ibn al-Qayyim, it was a statement that he narrated from his sheikh, Ibn Taymiyyah, which occurs a lot, and uh, Shaykh al-Athameen has mentioned it here, that Shaykh al-Islam, rahimahullah ta'ala, spoke about that Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah, that each one of them, لِكُلِّ وَاحِدَةٍ مِنْهُمَا مَزِيَّةٍ Each one of them has their, their distinction. أَمَّا فِي الْمَرْتَبَةِ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّ أَزْوَاجَ الرَّسُولِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ كُلَّهُنَّ as for their levels, i.e. the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, their level with Allah, then in terms of that, then all of them are going to be in paradise with the Prophet Sallallahu 
وَتَلَقِّ الْعِلْمِ عَنْهُ وَنَشْرِ هَذَا الْعِلْمِ الْكَثِيرِ الْوَاسِعِ So the role of Aisha radiyallahu anha, her distinction was at the end of the life of the Prophet where she looked after the Prophet and she gained the knowledge from him and spread that knowledge from him. حَتَّى كَانَتْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا مِنْ أَكْثَرِ الصَّحَابَ حَدِيثِ She was from amongst the ones known as الْمُكْثِرِينَ فِي الْرِوَايَةِ There were certain companions who narrated a lot more hadith than others. There were a certain number of companions who each narrated more than a thousand narrations each. And from them was... Aisha radiyallahu anha She was from them who narrated a great number of hadith From the most highest narrators of hadith As for Khadija radiyallahu anha Fahasala minha fi awwalir risala Ma lam yahsul min Aisha wala ghayriha The role of Khadija was her support for the Prophet sallallahu At the beginning of the messengership and that, of course, Aisha radiallahu anha does not participate in. That was at the beginning with Khadija radiallahu anha. And they mention other virtues. They say, for example, Khadija radiallahu anha, when the Prophet sallallahu was married to her, he did not marry anybody else whilst he was married to her. And also, all of the children of the Prophet sallallahu are from Khadija radiallahu anha, except Ibrahim, who was from Maria, she was from Egypt. Then we have Qala haddathani Ishaq, Qala haddathana Abdul Samad, Qala haddathana Abdul Rahman, who Abn Abdullah ibn Dinar, An Abihi, An Abi Salih. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله تبارك وتعالى إذا أحب عبدا نادى جبريل إن الله قد أحب فلانا فأحبه فيحبه جبريل ثم ينادي جبريل في السماء إن الله قد أحب فلانا فأحبه فَيُحِبُّهُ أَهْلُ السَّمَاءِ وَيُوضَعُ لَهُ الْقَبُولِ فِي أَهْلِ الْأَرْضِ In this hadith it mentions that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves a servant, if Allah loves one of his servants, one of his slaves, then he calls out to Jibreel, that indeed Allah loves such and such. So love him. Indeed Allah loves such and such. So love him. That is what Allah mentions to Jibreel alayhi salam. So then Jibreel alayhi salam loves such and such from the servants of Allah. Then Jibreel calls out in the heavens. Indeed, Allah loves such and such, so love him. Indeed, Allah loves such and such, so love him. So the inhabitants of the heavens love that individual. 
وَيُوضَعُ لَهُ الْقَبُولِ فِي أَهْلِ الْأَرْضِ And acceptance is bestowed upon that person from the people of the earth. Meaning people then accept from that person. He is a person that they take from and they accept from him. He is given that as a blessing from Allah for uh, the fact that he is righteous and obedient and Allah loves him and tells Jibreel that he loves him. So Jibreel loves him. And then Jibreel calls out to the inhabitants of the heavens telling them Allah loves such and such. So love him. And so they all love him. And then Allah bestows upon that person acceptance upon the earth that the people they accept from him and that they uh, take from him. The purpose of this narration is what? That Allah calls out to Jibreel and tells him, speaks to him, tells him that Allah loves such and such, so you love him. Again, another proof, how many proofs there are, how many of these ahadith and ayat, evidences we've come across establishing the speech of Allah. And yet the people of innovation come along and say, there is no affirmation of kalamullah. There is no affirmation of Allah speaking. Look at the number of evidences and the number of hadith. And then imagine how much effort the people of innovation have to put in to then misinterpret all of these narrations, to distort all of these narrations onto a meaning that will allow them to carry on saying that Allah doesn't speak. They have to change and distort all of these narrations, all of these evidences to carry on upon their falsehood. So here it mentions that indeed Allah loves such and such. Uh, and so he calls out to Jibreel and calling out to Jibreel occurs with a voice. Allah calls out to Jibreel with a voice that Jibreel hears. And Allah tells him that uh, Allah loves such and such, so love him. وَيَذْكُرُ ذَلِكَ بِاسْمِهِ الْخَاصِ يُحِبُّهُ أَهْلُ السَّمَاءِ ثُمَّ يُوضَعُ لَهُ الْقَبُولِ الْقَبُولِ النَّاتِ الْقُبُولِ Which is a common mistake and a common error. The word is not قُبُول. What does قُبُول mean? Or, or, or what does Kabul mean? Kabul, acceptance. Like when you have the marriage contract, there is the Ijab and you have also Kabul. Kabul means acceptance. Kabul. The word is Kabul. And don't say Kubul as everybody says. Kubul, Kubul. It isn't Kubul. And you don't want to know what Kubul is. It is Qabul. Qabul with a fatha. So here it mentions that this person is then given the Qabul, the acceptance from the people. So the people of the earth accept from that person. And a person is not given acceptance upon this earth 
acceptance from the people that they turn to him, take from him, accept from him. That doesn't happen unless that person is somebody whom Allah loves. That only occurs after the love, after the mahabba. And in fact, this also means that the acceptance of the people for that individual occurs because the people love that person too. Due to the people loving that person, then they also accept from that person. Because if you do not love someone, then you will not accept anything from them. لكن يوضع له القبول في الأرض فيكون الرجل مقبولا وقوله مقبولا عند الناس So this person then is given this acceptance upon the earth So he is somebody who is accepted by the people and his statements are accepted by the people وفي هذا دليل على إثبات محبة الله للعبد Also as a side point it's not the topic or the the chapter here, but the evidence is clearly there regarding Allah loving, that Allah loves His servants. The attribute of mahabbah, and therefore Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah, we say, Inna Allah Ta'ala yuhib. Indeed, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala loves. And it's mentioned in the Quran as well, Al-Ma'idah 54. That Allah will then come with a people that He loves and they love Him. Affirmation of Allah loving. But again, the people of innovation, they will reject the speech of Allah, they will reject that Allah loves and they distort that. They'll say, yes, the servant can love Allah, but Allah doesn't love the servant. And they say, all that means, all these narrations that talk about Allah loving the servants and loving the slaves, Allah doesn't really love them. That isn't an attribute of Allah, they say. They say all of those narrations just mean what? What's their main distortion of all of these narrations talking about Allah loving His servants? They say that means that it is the reward of Allah. Allah rewards the people. Allah rewards those individuals. And that it is not Allah loving those individuals. Is there a way or how can we gain the love of Allah? It is mentioned in the Quran, the ayah which is known as the ayatul imtihan, the ayah of examination or test. Where it says, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِ يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهَ Say that if you truly love Allah, then follow me and Allah will love you. So of course, 
The method of gaining the love of Allah is that you follow the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You follow the Quran and the Sunnah. You are upon obedience to Allah. That is what brings about the love for that person. And that is certainly from the highest of objectives. From the highest of objectives, from the greatest of things that you be a servant of Allah, that Allah loves. There is the hadith when they were going into battle and the Prophet said to them that tomorrow, غَدًا لَأُعْطِيَنَّ الرَّايَةِ I am going to give the flag of the army to a man لَأُعْطِيَنَّ الرَّايَةِ I'm going to give this flag to a man whom what? A man who loves Allah and the Messenger and Allah and the Messenger love him. So then what happened to the companions that night? What happened? What does the narration say? فَبَاتَ النَّاسِ يَدُوكُونَ يَدُوكُونَ يَخُوضُونَ Meaning that night, the companions, the people, the, the believers, they spent the night in discussion and thinking and hoping that they would be the one given the flag. Because they all wanted to be the one who was witnessed as being loved by Allah. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu says, he never ever sought leadership. Never. Never did he seek leadership or want leadership to be in charge. Never. But he says that night, I was hoping I would be made the leader, I'd be given the flag. Not because of leadership, not because of leadership, but because they all wanted to be the man whom had a testimony from the Prophet ﷺ that Allah loves that man. And then we know the next day it was actually who that was given the flag. Hands up. Hands up, who knows the answer, who was given the flag the next day. Put your hands up, hands up, up, so we know. Huh? So now there's maybe 40 30% who know the answer. 30% reasonable, everybody agree with that looking around? So that's below the threshold for the homework status. Which means everybody who doesn't know the answer yet and didn't hear the shouting out a minute ago, then your homework for this week is to find out who was given the flag the next day. There's a hadith about a battle they were going to go into. And the Prophet said, tomorrow the flag of the army, they used to go with the flag of the army, going to give that flag of the army to somebody tomorrow. And that person is somebody who loves Allah and the Messenger, and Allah and the Messenger love him. So then who was that companion the next day who was given the flag? If you know the answer, it's okay, you can tell us next week. The ones who don't know the answer, that can be your homework for this week. We'll round off there, we got a bit delayed today, there was problems on the roads.
but we'll carry on from next week from that section inshallah ta'ala after the isha prayer wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in